Interesting things going on as we speak. If something consequential happens, we will bring you the... Hey, we'll bring it to you. That's what we'll do. Yeah, just a brief update. I was watching while getting a little uh, coffee, and Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, the Ukraine expert who was in on the phone calls, talking, and interestingly enough, the Democrats hired gun lawyers trying to build a case that what you've been working on is official U.S. policy toward Ukraine. This is the, how did you come up with that policy? Yes, this is the official policy. And I'm surprised that he's spending that much time on it because it's so easily countered. I mean, the Vinmans of the world, this guy seems like a good egg. Some of the Republicans are trying to discredit him. I'm not jumping on that train. But um, he could spend his entire life crafting a policy. And if the president of the United States gets on the phone with a foreign leader and says, you know what, I tell you what, you guys pull out of uh, the Congo, we'll make that trade deal. He gets to. So you can, you can you know, dress it up in its fancy Sunday clothes and cover it with rose petals if you want and call it official U.S. policy, but the president can change it. So it's an odd uh, strategy. So I don't know if you've listened to our podcast that we did with Mark Halperin. It's pretty good, talking politics. He, was, uh, he used to say this regularly. It was the first time I'd ever heard it. When a, when a candidate would get to first place in the polls, he'd say, welcome to your time in the barrel. Because the news stories would start coming out on whatever candidate was in first place. And people all of a sudden dig up stuff or they had stuff dug up in a file and then they bring it out. It's just, just the way it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it has happened to Mayor Pete. He, uh, he's risen to the top of the polls. He's in first place in Iowa by 10 points. It's going to be interesting to watch the debate tomorrow night because I got to assume that Bernie and Biden and Elizabeth at least are going to feel like they got to take him down as we are now 36 days away. That's till Christmas. 76 days away until the <laughs> Iowa caucusing, mm. um, which is still a lot of time, but you know, you got to take on the guy who's in first place. Well, so here's some of your in the barrel stories that have come out. We'll start with the stupid. Well, there's one so stupid I don't even understand it. Something about a particular kind of sweater you wore at a particular game or something. I'm uh, whatever. Um, then there's Twitter this one. Gate. There's this one. He was at the Holocaust Memorial with his husband, and his husband took a picture of Mayor Pete at the Holocaust Memorial and tweeted out this guy, as in here's my cute boyfriend or my cute husband or whatever. Okay. And that's supposedly awful because... Insensitive to the victims, it's, blah, 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 probably exactly. anti-Semitic. It's, and, yeah, and it's a picture of Mayor Pete kind of turning and looking like, what? <laughs> like he must Oh, be. boy. <laughs> and that's Oof. it. That's the whole story, by the way. Oof. But uh, that's what happens when you're in the barrel. Those yeah. kind of stupid stories, and then you have to respond to them and say, no, I take the Holocaust very seriously, and all that sort of crap. This story is um, got a little more legs to it. And we played a little earlier. It's Mayor Pete at a Tea Party rally in 2010. And one of the reasons I want to bring this to you is because I know we got a lot of people in the audience that either were fans of the Tea Party or actually showed up to rallies, and we spoke at a whole bunch of them and um, and know quite a bit about the movement. I was not aware until a month or so ago, really. Well, anytime you're involved with anything on the side of the right, there, there are claims of racism, but... Sure, um, absolutely everything. Everything. So I, yeah. I dismissed this. But I was reading the New York Times, and the um, one of their columnists, opinion writers, who uh, won a Nobel Prize for economics, and his name is escaping me. You know, Musk. Not Paul Krugman. Yeah, Paul Krugman. So Paul Krugman He's is a joke. Paul Krugman blasted the New York Times, his own newspaper, 
for talking about the Tea Party and leaving out the fact that they were a racist organization. He said, are we, is the New York Times going to pretend that the Tea Party wasn't primarily a racist organization? And I thought, are you kidding me? That's a, And that's insane. the first time I had ever heard that put out there. And I thought, wow, Paul Krugman thinks the Tea Party movement was about race. That's interesting, since I had been involved in it pretty deeply, right. and, uh, and and know it was uh, everybody that was there was all about smaller government and bailouts and all this sort of stuff. Well, then we did a radio event uh, a couple of weeks ago with a bunch of people, and, and they had the same line of the Tea no, Party. Oh, everybody knows the Tea Party thing was just a racist thing. That's what it was. But Obama was elected. People couldn't handle a black man being president, and so they opposed him. What? Right. Not not the health care takeover and the and the TARP bailout and all that sort of stuff, which is what all the signs were at every Tea Party rally that we spoke at and what everybody was talking about behind the stage, right. on the stage, out in the crowd. That's what that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And so I had no idea that that was even a claim. But it's not only a claim. Half the country thinks the Tea Party movement was a reaction to a black president and it was just a bunch of racists getting together. Well, that claim was around from the beginning, but now that... I thought that... it was fringe. I didn't realize it was mainstream. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, there's always the fringe claims of racists if you're involved with anything on the right. Right, exactly. But yeah, I didn't know you was... hold an ice cream social to to raise money for flood victims and you use vanilla ice cream for your Sundays, you'll be accused of racism. But It's I had... just part of being a conservative. But I had no idea. It was the mainstream opinion of the left that the Tea Party thing was, and which bothers me because I'm guessing till my dying day, which I hope is in my 90s, I'll be, uh, that will be what history is. History will, will regard the Tea Party when they regard it at all as a racist movement. Yeah, which is an absurdity, having attended more rallies and meetings and speeches than, than I could remember, honestly. That's why this ends up being a big deal that Mayor Pete spoke at a Tea Party rally in 2010, and a video has surfaced in which he says some kind things about the Tea Party. I have to admit it as a Democrat that many of my friends and supporters looked at me as if I was absolutely nuts when I suggested that I would be coming tonight to speak with a group that's often identified with the Tea Party. He added, there are some, especially in my party, who think the Tea Party is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Republican Party. But there are many others who believe that the Tea Party is motivated by real concerns about the direction of our government and response to our government uh, to citizens. Now, obviously, Mayor Pete didn't think it was a racist organization or he wouldn't have been there. Right. He didn't think that because it wasn't, just like all the Tea Party rallies we showed up to. Yep. Uh, footage of Buttigieg's 2010 comments described in a recent New York Times report on the candidate resurfaced this week and sparked outrage with some on the left. I don't know if any of these people are important with these tweets because I don't know everybody's names out there. Uh, wow, this is just unreal, tweets someone named Jody Jacobson. At Peter Buttigieg literally sidling up to racist Tea Partiers. And he's got it wrong. At GOP is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Tea Party. And hashtag Freedom Caucus, the anti-evidence Benghazi email area 51 nutcases. Yet another Dem who feels a need to apologize for Democrats. And some guy named Ryan Knight tweeted, or he had tweeted out the video. I'll get to this one. Mike Freeman. He's done. Pete Buttigieg is done. Absolutely done. Not a single Dem of color going to vote for a dude who backed the GDT party. Well, that just goes to show you how important messaging is in politics. Now, Pete or anybody like him... Number one, we'll have to beat back the completely accepted but completely fictional case that it was a racist organization before they even get to the substance of their remarks or why they were there or or what have you. I mean, if I go, 
advise the Klan on their tax situation, you know, I'm I'm done. Even though it had nothing to do with racism per se, I was there, and they're known to be a racist organization. So, yeah, that's that's amazing. It's it's disappointing too. It, it there are plenty of examples of that um, of things you learn as a kid or a student, or high school, college about history, and then when you dig into it a little bit, you realize you got a wildly uh, misleading uh, story. It troubles me. I read a lot of history, and I'm and I and I, I've gotten to a point where I. I wonder, is there any such thing as history? Is it even possible to have history that you know is factual? Because there's so much spin on all of it mm-hmm. from the beginning. Does somebody get it right all the time? Or of so many of the things I've learned about history, they're just wrong. There will be authoritative books, articles, comments about the Tea Party movement being a racist movement for the rest of my life. Right. And people will hear them and think, well, I wasn't alive then. I suppose it was a racist yeah. movement. Well, I'm white would... people that were mad about a black president. I'd say it's better to have history than not have it. But there's a hell of a lot of the truth, but not the whole truth and not nothing but the truth or, you know, or nothing but the truth, but not the whole truth. You know what I'm saying? It's just so disappointing. Back to the event at hand. So the the Washington Examiner came up with some comments that uh, Joe Biden made about the Tea Party. Um, blah, blah, blah. He said, a lot of people out there are frightened and scared. People have lost jobs. They're not sure if they're going to keep their homes. And that's what the Tea Party is about, Joe Biden said. Barack Obama said, I think there are a lot of people who are involved in the Tea Party who have very... No, that's, so Biden must have been quoting his, his boss at the time. That's interesting when he was uh, when he was speaking. Um, so they quoted Joe Biden quoting Barack Obama and then posted the Barack Obama uh, quote also in the Washington Examiner um, about spending that's out of control or generally philosophically believed that the government should be less involved in certain aspects of American life rather than more involved. And they have a right and obligation as citizens to be involved and engaged in the process. That's what Barack Obama said about the Tea Party, at the start, which sounds pretty accurate. Doesn't about that settle it? You would think so. That, yeah, well, it's so discouraging. And political pros get over that feeling of discouragement and horror that, I mean, Barack Obama says something that unequivocal and smart and reasonable. Um, but his view as not only the, the president, but the guy who allegedly was on the receiving end of the racism, his view is quite strongly worded that, no, it's fine. They have a right to do this, and I understand their concerns. The fact that that point of view is an afterthought in the rearview mirror. In fact, it's not even an afterthought. It's just not considered at all. And it's been overwhelmed by this tide of bull crap. The fact that that is now the popular view, that that's scary. Like I said, political pros get past that. They understand that that is the job they have, is to entice or frighten the herd into running one way or the other. And facts often have almost nothing to do with with getting the herd to to take to the hoof. One more Mayor Pete thing, and this isn't going to help him with the black voter. In South Carolina, a poll came out in which Pete Buttigieg has what percentage of the black vote? Joe Biden has 44. Bernie Sanders has 10% of the black vote in South Carolina. Mm. Nobody's ever gotten the Democratic nomination, by the way, without having at least 50% of the uh, the black vote within that party. Elizabeth Warren has eight. Kamala Harris has six. Again, Biden's at 44. He's clearly had. Pete Buttigieg has zero percent. Zero percent. He's behind uh, Marianne Williamson with one. <laughs> Andrew Yang with one. Tom Steyer with four. 
So he has appealed to no black people. Now, in South Carolina, the Democrat media, the MSNBC, CNN crowd doesn't want to talk about why that is. They keep talking about the way he handled a shooting in Indiana, which does play a role. Yes. But they want to. But they leave out another important thing that one black congressman in South Carolina spoke to last week. A lot of black voters ain't cool with a gay candidate, Mm -hmm. but they don't want to talk about that because then you get into the whole complicated way. Second, we have people in our party that don't like people in this party, but that's that's some of it, too. Yeah. We'll see with his new, uh, you know, status. Maybe the good people in South Carolina will be curious. Who is this uh, youngster? I didn't pay much attention to. We may see those numbers rise, but Joe Biden at 44% is astounding. The rest of the country's kind of chuckling at him at this point, and he is fading. Any any, any chance this is a coincidence that came out a day before the debates? Which, the poll or the... No, the the Pete video in terms of... Oh, no, no, no. Somebody planned that. Absolutely, yeah. And and it could be Elizabeth Warren's people. I mean, you don't have any idea who it is. Right, right, right. Right. Yeah, I mean, if, for instance, uh, to cite uh, my gal Amy Klobuchar, the most reasonable among the Dems, if suddenly she vaulted to the top, then I, as as, as Bernie's uh, campaign director, would say, bring me the Amy Klobuchar file, please. And then I'd start leaking the stuff we have on her to the media. It's just the way it works. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how he handles that on the debate stage. It's tough being called a racist because there's nothing you can say other than, no, I'm not. What's, <laughs> the, what's, what's the sweater story? Oh, look it up. Okay. It's, it's a, I mean, if it's dumber I than, even follow it, really, than the Holocaust memorial thing, I mean, that's like crazy dumb, Yeah. I, which is kind of something I enjoy. Such is your time in the barrel, though. These kind of stories start coming your way. I'm sure when you get hit with the story of like the memori- Holocaust Memorial tweet, you think, oh my God, really? Seriously? I gotta respond to this? <laughs> I said, you're kidding me. Well, <laughs> uh, listen here, if you want to amuse yourselves, we'll be back with more great entormation, but uh, if you want to uh, amuse yourself, uh, Google uh, or, or look up uh, Time in the Barrel, the origin of that story. It's oh, charming. Oh, it's Absolutely not. charming. It's not what it means now, so it doesn't make any difference what it meant then. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> Anything happens in the impeachment hearing, we'll tell you about it. We promise. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A newspaper in England issued an apology last week after they published an obituary for a man who is still alive. Plus, the obituary was titled, Good Riddance. (laughs) The crowd groaned. (laughs) Um... Anything happens in the impeachment hearing, we'll bring you the headlines, especially in Marshall's News on the way. You can't take cheese on a flight during its holiday season. Details to come. Keep that in mind. I got a list of foods you're not allowed to take on an airline when you fly this holiday season. Cheese is at the top. My bag of gravy, will they be okay with that? The No, absolutely not. No gravy allowed. Luckily in this great country, Sean, no matter where you travel, You'll find gravy. <laughs> Boy, is gravy good. Oh. Sorry. That's in my top three foods, you know. Ah. Uh, Steak, yeah. cheeseburgers, and gravy. The order alternates sometimes, but that's your top three always. When you say gravy, <sighs> gravy is not a food. I mean, clearly it is a food. It's a sauce, I isn't it? I eat it. 
Well, <laughs> is ketchup a food? I grant you that. That's I grant you. That's a decent point, Sean. Well, it clearly is. And is yet, it? But, but nobody would say, yes. what do you want for dinner? <laughs> ketchup. So Right. But gravy, like biscuits and gravy, it can be sausage in a sauce. Or I make hamburger gravy, which is just there gravy you. with chunks of hamburger in it. That, right. that is a meal. Oh, that sounds so good. Oh, it is so good. Right, right. With shrimp, with cheese, if you, with gravy. If you put, if I regularly put too much flour in it, though, and then you were eating paste. You were literally oh, eating paste. Oh, boy, you can always add more, Jack. Mm. So, uh, a couple of uh, notes from the world of science. Number one, uh, scientists think they have uh, they have reconfigured porcelain so that it's so incredibly slippery, nothing can ever stick to it. Oh, wow. For instance, in a turlet. Oh, well, okay. I was thinking of, like, cookware, cookware, but you were going to the toilet. I'm not going to the toilet. I'm telling you about science. science. Exactly. Um, and we won't dwell upon that because we've already been childish enough today. See the Eric Swalwell story. Uh, but another note from science, they should absolutely let you nap at work. Oh, I want to hear that. Oh, yeah. I'll I want to hear that. What's, yeah. on What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, we got the third round of the impeachment hearings chugging right along. We'll give you a couple of highlights. we got the Democratic debate tomorrow. Get ready, my friends. And a big surprise for Jeopardy fans. Coming up. You know, the impeachment hearings are not impeachment hearings, and the debate is not a debate. Other than that, your headlines are fine, Marshall. Which <laughs> oh, <laughs> <boy>. great. <laughs> I know somebody on the staff is monitoring the impeachment uh, hearings today. Is that you, Hanson? You're monitoring? It's a scale of 1 to 10. How is it so far? You're giving it a scale of 1, a scale of one to 10. Hey, uh, I'll give it a 4. A 4. A 4. Okay. So not a 2 or a 3, nor a 5 or a 6. Definitely not an 8 or a 9. That's what a 4 is, you guys. <laughs> right. Right. It's none of those other numbers. Very good. Uh, <laughs> Let's get the news now, Marshall Phillips. Well, the third public impeachment inquiry is chugging along in the House of Representatives. Jennifer Williams, a foreign policy aide to the vice president, said she was concerned about what she'd heard on President Trump's phone call with the Ukrainian president. You testified that you thought it was political in nature. Uh, what did, why did you think that? I thought that the references to specific individuals and investigations, such as former Vice President Biden and his son, struck me as political in nature, given that the former Vice President is a political opponent of the President. And so you thought that it could potentially be designed to assist President Trump's re-election effort? I can't speak to what the President's motivation was in, in referencing it, but I just noted that the reference to Biden sounded political to me. So what you're saying is targeting Joe Biden when he was a political rival looks odd. To, yeah, we know. I know. Yeah. We've been there for yeah. months. I can't imagine being in that situation. <laughs> Was Jack too drunk? Other people have testified to that. I've said I was too drunk. Polls show everybody agrees I was too drunk. Do we have to get yet another person to come up here and say I was too drunk? It looked like it might be political to me. You don't say. 
Anyway, that's the way the hearings have been going. And the uh, witnesses are repeating a lot of what they had said behind closed doors in testimony that we've already uh, been able to read. So it, whatever the it polls, would be odd if they didn't. Whatever the polls showed, whatever percentage it is of people that believe the president did something wrong. And it's like 40% among Republicans. But um, are they hoping to add to that? Do they just think the drip, drip, drip of hearing it 50 times will change people's minds? Is that what they're hoping for? Yes. It just and seems... doing it in public and having, for instance, Lieutenant Colonel Vinman, a dignified right. man in his dress blues, um, having him say it will be more impactful than hmm. reading it in some website, uh, third hand. I don't know. Shifting gears. The latest Democratic presidential debate is going to be happening tomorrow night in Atlanta. You got 10. 10- I'm excited about this one. I actually am. I don't know if it's because it's been long enough in between. Or because Mayor Pete's in first place now, right. and Warren's got her health care plan out there, so there's some there's some real... I, I'd be shocked if it's not interesting. Got ten candidates that have qualified for the debate. Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, and Bernie Sanders are all going to have the center stage positions. The coveted center stage positions. It makes Biden, a difference. Biden, Warren, Sanders, and, and who? Uh, Mayor it, Pete? It's Biden. Oh, yeah. It's okay. Biden, Warren, uh, Sanders, and Mayor Pete. They're all gotcha. going to be kind of bunched there well, in the middle. It's the only ones that matter. Yeah. Um, uh, w- wouldn't you be surprised if it's not entertaining? I mean, I just think it's getting close enough. you got Mayor Pete in front pl- in first place by 10 points. It's in Iowa. Yeah. Right. Which is, you know, matters more than the national poll. Right. I can't believe that they're not going to bring it against these people. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Where's the mark on Pete? Where's the target there? What do you do? What do you say? No experience, I guess. Small town mayor. Appreciate it. It's cute that you're running, but be dismissive like that. I'm not sure exactly what the strategy would be. Not bold enough, the whole Liz Warren thing. You know, he's well, not swinging oh, yeah. for the fences. She calls every, says that about know. everybody. But, yeah, she'll she'll hit that. As to whether it'll be entertaining or not, I've been fooled over and over again. <laughs> Good point. I appreciate your plucky optimism. But Good point. Yeah. Parents of some of the students that have been holed up at that Hong Kong university say their children dare not surrender because the government has labeled them as rioters. Exactly. Those some were trapped inside by the police, and they can't get out for fear they'll be arrested and hauled away. A pastor appealed to the government to be more compassionate in resolving the ongoing crisis, which continues today. My police know this. Um, it's why it's a bad strategy, and China's in this situation now. If you put people in a position where they've got nothing to lose, they're going to fight pretty hard. Um, I mean, if, if they feel like, well, I can turn myself in and I will be whisked away to China and never be heard from again, uh, they will fight to the death. Right. Right. So what, what do you do with that situation? Oh, speaking of inciting a riot, this uh, bit of information comes from the really ridiculous and discouraging story of a uh, known fascist member of By Any Means Necessary and Antifa, Yvette Falarka, getting off on uh, her charges, essentially just pleading out, and right. even though she was beating people and the rest of it, and commits to acts of political violence all the time, and is probably doing so, she is not going to be punished for doing that sort of thing on the grounds of the California State Capitol a year or two ago, whenever right. it was. Um, but uh, in the midst of reading about that disappointing story, they pointed out that she had been charged with inciting a riot, a misdemeanor. Inciting a riot? Just a misdemeanor? I'm going to incite one. That sounds exciting. 
I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I'll have to get my uh, persuasive powers going. I'll have to come up with some decent right. pretext. I mean, people aren't going to riot at the drop of a hat. Figure late at night when they're drunk, I'll incite a riot. Can you get sued civilly for, uh, like, if they smash stuff up? Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably ought to look into that. Yeah, I'd double-check on that one. And, hey, my friends, if you're a Jeopardy fan, ah, you're probably going to love this. The game show's top three champions face-off beginning January 7th. We're talking James Holzhauer, who just won Jeopardy's Tournament of Champions, and the show's two other biggest winners, Ken Jennings and Brad Rutter. They are going to be playing for a million-dollar prize. So if you happen to be into Jeopardy, that's uh, the one a lot of people looking forward to. And that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. You got the Chick-fil-A story? I I hear there is a Chick-fil-A story. I don't know what it is. Yeah, there is. We can get to that. A lot of people are angry at Chick-fil-A. I would Um, eat one right now. I would eat I don't really, three right now. I don't attach up much politics to my uh, sandwiches, so <laughs> I it doesn't matter what there is in the paper about it. If it's yeah. delicious and on my way home, I will stop and eat there. So now the other side is angry at Chick-fil-A, and you should be allowed to nap at work, according to leading scientists. We can get to those two stories. What is the issue? Uh, it, Chick-fil-A's issue is... Well, they support. Uh, I, well, okay. Well, I don't we'll want get to get into, into it now. I didn't want to get into it. I just because I was I was going to try to attach a, a tease to it. They have they su- gay marriage or abortion or yeah, gay, it, gay marriage essentially. Okay. They have uh, supported groups that have a traditional view of marriage. Okay, I got a New York Times uh, how they handled an abortion story. That's really something. Oh boy, where you get into uh, Orwellian language and that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's it's troubling. It's heavy, but it's troubling. You want you know what you want heavy. Heavy and troubling. Great. <laughs> Super. <laughs> I want to talk about napping at work. Back to Swalwell's flatulence. Yes. That's what you want to get back yes. to. Oh, yeah. Yes. Or is it Chris Matthews who needs a cork? I don't know. It's <laughs> no value. No, he does, too. No doubt. Armstrong and Getty. Everything he can to remind us that he is a very old person. Joe Biden says that if elected, he will not legalize marijuana federally because he thinks it might be a gateway drug. (laughs) That's correct. It is a gateway drug to not getting the Democratic nomination for president. But he says there needs to be more research done. And it does lead to other things. I mean, first you try marijuana, then you that leads to sarsaparilla, which leads to black licorice, which leads to goofballs, to poppers, to malarkey. Next thing you know, you're selling your body for Werther's Originals. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> but I'm going to wrap this chain around your head. That's an age joke, as is this funny tweet. <laughs> also, Biden, ragtime music leads to razor fights. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, that's funny. So, listen, you ought to check out the Armstrong and Getty Extra Large podcast. We actually have a couple that are available right now, our, our book review one and uh, and the, the long-ish conversation with Mark Halperin, co-author of Game Change, among other things. Uh, and he's just so good. He's another level, as a couple of emailers have uh, pointed out after listening to the podcast. But he says... 
the Democratic race is as impossible to call and unsettled as any he has ever seen in his career. And he's observed quite a few presidential campaigns in both parties. He, one of the things he said was he, he really, if he had to bet, it would be on Elizabeth Warren, but he has a very low level of certainty. It is so up in the air. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. They'll be uh, jabbering at each other tomorrow, and we will bring you the highlights Thursday, as usual. So, very briefly, the the whole Chick-fil-A story, it came to light that that fine chicken sandwich restaurant, delicious, which is one of my all-time faves, I can't talk about it without drooling, um, their charitable arm had supported a number of organizations like the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Salvation Army, religiously affiliated charities. Um, as the uh, the founders, the owners of Chick-fil-A are devoutly Christian, and like many Americans, including Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton in 08, had a traditional view of marriage, one man, one woman, etc. And so the forces of uh, hatred and division on the left, who claim to be not forces of hatred and division, but what do you say? Anyway, uh, they targeted Chick-fil-A for being homophobic and haters for supporting traditional marriage. Tried to get boycotts going. Well, a lot of America responded by that, uh, responded to that by eating as much Chick-fil-A as they could stomach and standing up for their right to believe what they believe in, to donate who they want to donate to, and, and stood up against the idea of boycotting companies for political beliefs. Especially, again, political beliefs that were pretty damned mainstream. Anyway, um, Chick-fil-A just announced yesterday, in a surprise to a lot of people, that it had overhauled its donation strategy and had stopped giving money to several organizations that had angered the activists, including the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and the Salvation Army. The Salvation Army. Wow. For God's sake. Um. No pun intended. Um, the Chick-fil-A announced in its statement it planned to concentrate its giving in the areas of education, homelessness, and hunger. Well, the homelessness thing will almost certainly be wasted as the homeless industrial sure. complex has become an enormous for-profit scam. And they also announced that it planned to work with a smaller number of charities than it had previously. It plans to reassess its giving annually instead of entering into multi-year agreements with charities. The groups it gives to, quote, could include faith-based and non-faith-based charities, the foundation said. And interestingly enough, the news was was immediately greeted with dismay among conservatives, um, both prominent and uh, and just regular folks. Um, Well, everybody sees the move, not everybody, some people see the move as capitulating to the protesters. And it does look like that a little bit. Sure does. Here's the same... Well, here's Mike Huckabee, for instance. In August 2012, I coordinated national at Chick-fil-A Appreciation Day after they were being bullied by militant hate groups. Millions showed up. Today, Chick-fil-A betrayed loyal customers for money. I regret believing they would stay true to the convictions of founder Truett Cathy. Sad. Others labeled it backstabbing and betrayal by a company that has long espoused Christian ethos. I'm Here's not, your sane I'm person. not going to hate them for switching positions either. Here's your sane person analysis. They made their donation decisions based on who they wanted to help and maybe how it affected their business. 
Now they're changing it. I get the whole, well, we stood up for you, and now you're giving in to these people? But maybe they're figuring, look, there are plenty ways, and I assume there's still a fairly strong Christian element within their management. Maybe they're thinking, well, we could probably do the work of God without creating controversy. Why don't we support these other things that are, are good and Jesus-y, if you'll forgive the term. Right. And look, can we all stop leaping at each other's throats over politics? It's just not healthy. It doesn't make you a good person. I get when the other side attacks you 24-7 all day long. Trust me, we've been on the receiving end of plenty of it. I get when you're constantly attacked, you really want to attack back. But in this case, look, Chick-fil-A made a different decision. Their sandwiches are delicious. They're still going to do good stuff for good people. Um, uh, yes. Uh, while, I want to get to that napping at work story because I think I that's something that would all matter to us. But while we're on the subject of charities, this time of year was when a lot of people donate to charities. Just wanted to point out, take the time before you donate to charity to go to some of those um, websites where they rate the charity and give you information about how they spend their money. Charity Navigator is my fave. Please do that. And I Charities hate, Rated is another pretty good one. I, I hate this trend. Every store you go to, it happened to me like three times yesterday. Everywhere you go, they give you an opportunity to donate a dollar to this or that charity um, when you're checking out. I don't have any idea what these charities are. I haven't, oh, yeah. I haven't looked into them. I got asked to donate to to be a part of a charity the other day they wanted me to speak at, and I did a little research, and it was a three-star, not a four-star. They pay their CEO $500,000 a year. I'm not giving to that charity. You can support it if you want, but I don't support charities that pay their the person in charge a half a million dollars a year. You can if you want, but I'm just saying you should look into these things before you donate your money. Um, if you want your money to go the, as far as it can. Because there's a lot of charities out there where people, they, they don't handle the money that well, or they pay people too much, or whatever. CharityNavigator.com is really handy for that. Listen to this on that topic. And on the napping thing, go ahead and nap if you want. That's the, you have my permission. <laughs> this is much more interesting. Taking a nap. Ladies and germs, the idea, the, the idea is ridiculous. The fact that the Reverend Al Sharpton, is seen as some civil rights leader, and he has a show on MSNBC, and he's frequently brought in to mediate or to appear, the rest of it. It's an obscenity. He's a con man and a criminal. He gets paid over a million dollars a year from his own charity. Hilarious. He raked in a million forty-six thousand dollars from his own charity last year. He got a $325,000 salary, which was a 33% raise last year. Of course, most of us got 33% raises yesterday. We've been involved with charities where the person at the top makes $0. They're a volunteer. And there's good charities out there where they don't make much money at all. Yeah, they're volunteering. They started the charity, and they're doing it to help people. If you're taking a million dollars from your charity as a salary, you're a con man or woman. So he got a $325,000 salary in addition to a mysterious $160,000 bonus. And if you think that's mysterious, how about $563,000 in other compensation? The Harlem-based nonprofit, that's one of the great uh, Orwellian words in our, our world. Nonprofit doesn't mean anything. It does not mean anything. Jack and I start a nonprofit. We take in a million dollars. I say, my salary's half a million, your salary's half a million. Woohoo! There's We've no made money left. No profit. There's no money left for anything else. Right. Exactly. 
The Harlem-based nonprofit, which Sharpton controls as president and CEO, said the extra cash was to make up for the years uh, when he didn't get his full pay. Uh, times were tight. So by it's, the way, it's back pay. And yeah. by the way, Jesse Jackson did this, too. You get on the wrong side of some issue race-wise and Al Sharpton comes to town, you donate to his charity to get him off your back. Exactly. He'll stop the protests if you get enough money to his charity, which he then keeps. He's <laughs> so, a blackmailer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just like Jesse Jackson was and still is, presumably. Uh, That's the way that game works. Yeah, yeah. It's but just charities in general, look into them before you give your money. It, it hurts my heart. I mean, I hear people donate to charities, and I don't say anything. It's not my job, but I think I know something about that charity, and that your money did not go very far there. Yeah, yeah. I love the fact that he sold his the rights to his life story to his own charity for more than half a million that dollars. That is hilarious. I know, it is. It's absolutely You can fantastic. take naps at work? Studies say you, say you should nap at work? That's right, Jack, including... And the reason this is coming uh, to the fore is the U.S. government has just finally outlawed sleeping in the office. They outlawed it? Yeah, because they have so many employees, so many government employees who just sleep the day away. On the other hand, sleep experts say brief naps do help productivity. I know, it would help me. Well, you have two different stories going on here. You got the average worker who, if they're unproductive, will be canned. And then you got the government worker who could stab their supervisor in the eyeball, <laughs> then dance on their corpse and still not get fired. Wow. That is a different case. The dancing was gratuitous. Well, it's, it's, it's rude. No <laughs> dancing in the workplace either. You let me have a 15-minute nap, you get twice as much out of me in the afternoon. No here, doubt here. about it. 